Hey, so thank you for checking out this week's episode of the Boostly podcast. My name is Liam Carolan, the co-host of the mini series where we go behind a host and we dive into somebody's hospitality business so you can gain knowledge, leverage their experience and implement the tactics which you might not know about before listening to this podcast. So today we're joined by a host who really specializes in midterm rentals, which is a term we will dive into what that actually means. Um, you're going to pick up some really actionable tips. This person shares a lot on social media, has got a big Instagram following, and is really lighting the path on this slightly more niche strategy of hospitality. So let's introduce our guest, who's all the way from California today. He's here to share his story. And yeah, let's introduce him. So we've got Jesse Vasquez and his company, Air Venture Hosting. And I'm really pleased to have you on the show today. So welcome along, Jesse. Welcome, man. Liam, everything that you say sounds so important with that accent. I just want you to know that when I talk, it's just like, whatever, dude. But you, that accent, man, it's amazing. Wish I had it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm from a farmer part of the UK, so usually I've got a bit of a twang, but I'll, I'm putting yeah. on my telephone. Please. <laughs> uh, so, Jesse, uh, let's get started by diving into who is Jesse and Vasquez and, um, you know, what's your background? Take me back to before you got started doing what you're doing now. And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, cool. Well, Liam, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show. Let Mark know I'm excited too. Yeah, man, I used to actually work in the healthcare division of hospitals so and home health agencies. Um, so my job, I worked, I was making, Liam, really good money in the US, uh, $200,000 a year, which is a pretty damn fantastic living. And I worked to try to get uh, travel, not travel medical professionals, folks that were discharging from a hospital. So say I fell, broke my hip. My job was to get a, a patient that was going to go home to get nursing and therapy and all these things that patients typically need at home. They don't need at the hospital anymore. They can all have these, done, these things done at home. So you probably have that a lot over where you're at, where it's basically in-home nursing for patients. And that was my job. I was competing with about 30 other people in the space to get patients that were discharging to come home. And yeah, that's, I kind of stumbled upon, I, maybe I might be fast forwarding a little bit, but that's what I did. That was my, my nine to five. It was a 24 seven type job patients. There was no time for discharges happened all hours of the day in hospitals. So I was always like, go, go, go 24 seven. didn't have a, that's how I was trained. That's how I learned, which helps me a lot to this day. But yeah, that's kind of what I did in a nutshell, man, from, from the beginning. That sounds really cool. And when did the moment come where you went, hang on, hospitality is a thing I can, I can get into this. Yeah. So I tell the story pretty often as I worked on the hospital floors, Liam, I would go to all these different hospitals. That was my job, right? I was, I was, you know, in a suit and tie and I was dressed, uh, you know, meeting with doctors and stuff. And there was one day in particular, I was on a hospital floor, this woman named Barbara, she had this really heavy Midwestern accent. She was from Fargo, Minnesota. And she would say things like, don't you know? And like, uh, oh, ain't, ain't he a doll? And I don't hear that stuff in California. Everybody says, dude, man, and bro, just like I am right now. And I asked her, I was like, you know, Barbara, what, what, are, you, what, what are you doing here? And she said, I'm a travel nurse. And I said, cool, like, where are you staying? She said, Motel 6, which is like pretty much a shithole motel here in the US. And they're trying to revamp it and make it something else. But back in 2015, when I first figured this out, it wasn't a good place. And she was in a really bad side of town. And then Liam, I asked her how much she was paying a month for that property or for that little room. And she told me $3,000. And at that point, I was just like, my head was like, and then that light bulb moment went off. And I'm like, holy crap, I could buy a house for 250K right now in this market 
interest rates are 3%. My mortgage payment would be about $1,400 a month. I would be all in water, sewer, garbage, electrical for probably right around 1900 to 2K. And I would be able to make $1,000 off this person. So I started asking her what, you know, how she got there, what agency she worked with. And I figured out there is a whole other side in the medical industry that I already knew about. And it's all based around contracts. And I just went up to the HR, the human resources floor of the hospital. I knocked on the door. They let me in. I said, hey, uh, I'm going to purchase a home and I want to house travel nurses just like Barbara. Is this a need here? And they said, absolutely. We don't have anywhere for these folks to go. And then it just took off from there. I uh, bought my first property that I didn't even live in as an investment property. And I started renting to travel medical professionals. And I got a contract, which we can dive into as well. What I love about that is there's two aspects to that. One is, like you say, she was in a crappy motel and she wanted to, you know, she'd, she'd rather be somewhere else. So you able to then, you know, sort of offer that once you've got a, uh, a place. But also it's the assessing of demand before you go and spend all that money. You already knew there's a market before investing. There's so many times that we see hosts who have bought a place because, you know, that's known as a good area and stuff like that, but it's actually find your, find who you're serving and where they need that service first. And that's exactly what you've done. And then, you know, like you say, you've got a, uh, you've already got a made market there, which is awesome. So what, what do things look like today? If, if you give us an idea of your number of units, the, you know, who you host and how you host, that would be awesome. Yeah. So now I have 10 properties. Um, they're all single family homes. They're spread out between California, Texas that I specifically own, uh, central California. I started buying Liam a property basically a year, um, just to house these travel medic professionals. Um, I also arbitrage four units now in the Bay Area. So over in San Francisco, Oakland, California, and Berkeley. And so, yeah, the, we've just grown exponentially. I've got probably about 13 contracts with 13 different agencies now um, where we do not rely heavily on Airbnb. We don't rely on like Furnish Finder. So we've grown exponentially as far as the contracting and connecting. And I've kind of learned this science, Liam, about how to kind of analyze what the market looks like. We talked about that from the beginning. There's travel nursing demand is not just a, um, you know, an urban issue. Like I'm in a rural part of California. If I'm having this, there's tons of people. I've had students that are in the same kind of situations throughout the entire year where there's just not enough clinicians to meet the demand for patients. And you could be in a rural market and there's just not a lot of clinicians that are going to go work there. So they have to grab, you know, these travel medical professionals to come into this space. So for me, it was really understanding what those markets look like. I even broke things down into what colleges have graduates, how many of those graduates are staying in that specific area per year. So, I mean, there's a huge science behind it. It's kind of just like what you do, Liam, if you're buying a property in, let's just say like, uh, you know, New Jersey or something or some random area, you want to look at the job growth, right? You want to look at how many people are there. You want to look at the average income, that type of situation. You obviously want to take that account, but then there's a whole other sector that you want to look into when it comes to the healthcare division. And all this stuff is like public knowledge. You can see how many people are actually hiring by going to like indeed.com or monsterjobs.com and just typing in your city and travel RN. And you'll see like literally hundreds of companies that are hiring in those markets. So you, that can give you a really good understanding of what the demand is in the space as well. I mean, that's, that's an amazing tip and one definitely for people to make note of. And uh, yeah, I mean, to go to Indeed and Monster, did you say was the other one to actually type that in? So there's ways that hosts can, can dive in. I guess there's yep. going to be the question and there's, I'm going to segue in a second and take a step back to yep. the arbitrage side of things. But first, why should a host, there'll be lots of people listening. Why should one of the hosts consider this is a good strategy? What is the advantage? Yeah. Well, the first one is being that you're not reliant on OTA. So 
you know, you don't have to rely on Airbnb to supply you with clients. And I think one of the beautiful things about that is, you know, Liam, we get to, we get to build our own business at the end of the day, all these clients and these contracts that I have, those are my clients and my business. And I can eventually, if I wanted to, Liam, this is the most beautiful part about this. And not many people talk about this. I could sell that book of business to somebody else. I could sell my property and that book of business to other people. And right now, smart money, Wall Street money, they realize that, you know, the real estate market is not as good as it was, right? We're seeing declines in a lot of areas, which is also an opportunity to buy. And they see that the short-term space has been around for quite some time. And it's, you know, it's evolved. It's evolved since 2007, right? But midterm space offers people that are busy professionals. You don't have to deal with the turnover that you would typically deal with with Airbnb. So you get that flexibility. You don't have to deal with the guests coming in and out. You get, you know, there for three months at a time. Typically the average clinical stay is about 90 days when their assignments being taken place. So that alone gives you like breathing room, like, oh, okay, I can kind of chill out for the next 90 days or 60 days until we got to get another client again. But if you build those business to business relationships, I'm now able to eventually sell this to Wall Street later on down the line. I'm able to sell my business that has a book of business to it. And I'm not relying on Airbnb changing an algorithm. And all of a sudden I was on the first page and now I'm on the 30th page. So Airbnb dictates what we, what happens to us, right? BRBO does, uh, Furnish Finder gives us clients, but um, at the end of the day, we're not building an actual business. We're just relying on these OOTAs to send us potential bookings. I love that. And, you know, Boostly is all about not you know, taking the power back from the OTAs and, and being in control of your own business, being in control of your own land. So, you know, that definitely speaks to me. And it's just great to see what you've done there, which is to build the business around a, a structure which allows you to control the, the income effectively. And some of those benefits you just mentioned, I mean, we're now approaching the the shoulder season and the, and the colder colder weather as, as we record this so depending on when you're listening this is sort of getting towards winter 2022 but one of the things that people are finding is that bookings have dropped off since the summer you know there may, might be a few more units available well one or two of these 90 day stays is going to fill a lot of that period of time that they need so without giving away the secret source how do you position yourself as a host how would somebody position themselves as a good option for somebody who is uh, looking for a midterm rental? Yeah, that's a good question. So for me, you know how Airbnb has a sexiness appeal to it, right? There's properties that are just like, you walk in, you're just like, holy smokes, this is amazing. And I love this place. I want to be here for two days, right? It becomes the experience. That same concept needs to happen with your midterm rentals. As more folks are getting going from the short-term space because of regulations or they're just tired of doing it. Or just like you mentioned, competitors are coming, right? And you want to have that same aspect in the midterm rental space where somebody would come in, they walk in, they're like, holy crap, I'm glad I'm here for the next three months. And I think a lot of people were, you know, just filling a room. They thought business travelers just need to have, you know, a microwave, a coffee machine, and, you know, a washer and dryer. But the way this market's going is that you can't do that anymore. You got to really kind of adjust and become that different type of place. Again, you want to have sense of experience. So for me, going into these places, especially with like digital nomads, people are traveling, like you want to have like crazy fast Wi-Fi speed. You want to have, you know, a place that has a sense of purpose behind it where it's intentionally put together for business travelers or for medical professionals with like blackout curtains, noise machines, things that can that, that they ask for on a regular basis. And those are typically what they ask for. But also, again, they're coming. Imagine leaving, you live in the Midwest somewhere, you're traveling 2000 miles, and you're going to be in some random place you know nothing about, and you're going to be there for three months. Like you want to have somewhere that's an experience. And, and that's 
exactly where this space I feel is going, especially if you're going to be keeping somebody in that property for 30 days or 90 days at a time, because they feel like they live there. You know, like with your Airbnb, Liam, like you'll have somebody message and say, hey, we're having door lock issues. There's a jam. It's not working all the time. Or, hey, you don't have a wall outlet charger in this specific spot. Midterm renters, they don't do stuff like that. They'll actually like go out and take care of their own things. They'll go buy specific things because they feel like they live there, which is a huge difference between what you typically would get from an Airbnb host to a midterm space. So the midterm renter. Um, so that's what I love about it. It's like, you know, you, I forget that I even have these clients that are in these properties sometimes, actually often. <laughs> I mean, that, that must be music to most hosts ears because often the, the one thing that we get from a lot of hosts is, you know, I'm getting calls at random times, you know, there's oh my always God. Got somebody checking in and out and just the benefit of having that peace of mind and knowing the place has got good income for that, that time is great. And you mentioned three specific things, which I just want to draw everyone's attention to, which was the, you know, super fast Wi-Fi speed, which is just, just so important to, to business travelers yeah. and families, everyone alike these days, the blackout blinds, especially because if they're working, they're going to want a you know, good night's sleep. And then you mentioned noise machines. So what, what is a noise machine? Just so we're, we're all on the page. <laughs> yeah. So there are these little machines, people have them on their phones. You can download an app, right? It's like, a you can download an app. It turns on. So it basically sounds like a box fan. It can sound like rain. It can sound like, so just so you know, Liam, a lot of the travel medical professionals are working from 7 PM at night to 7 AM in the morning, which is they're sleeping during the day. And if you could see behind me right now, if you guys are watching this, I mean, it's super bright, right? Imagine trying to sleep when you're lopsided on your hours of sleep and that's why you need to have blackout curtains. It needs to illuminate just like it would at night. And that's what blackout curtains do. A lot of clinicians are used to these box fans. I've even had clinicians that have flown or come with their actual fan that they use. People get super regimented when it comes to sleep, obviously with like patterns that they go through. And usually those fans and those those uh, those things can help out tremendously, especially with the blackout curtains. So again, you're, we're thinking about our client in mind when we're putting anything together. It's not about us hospitality is about the other folks that we're serving and this plays true especially in this sense when we're serving since we're serving healthcare professionals it all makes sense i mean like you say they 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 need those blackout blinds especially i, I was picturing at night thinking well this it's quite dark anyway but you're absolutely right <laughs> if they're working, yeah they need during the day so one of the questions i know a lot of people are going to have uh, listening into this podcast or watching this back on youtube is going to be how do you migrate the risk factor when it comes down to midterm rentals what stops the you know what stops it becoming a, a long-term rental especially i guess this is state and area depending but can you give us some advice on that side of things yeah so just so you guys know i'm in california and we have some of the most ridiculous tenant laws in the besides new york and illinois so that means a guest can stay for more than 30 days at your property and they become a tenant, like an actual, like a, like a long-term tenant. And one of the beautiful things about what I do, Liam, is I actually connect with these agencies and get contracts with them directly. And these contracts, those agencies that are multi-million dollar agencies are actually the leases. And they're subleasing that property to the client, which is the doctor or the nurse or whoever is traveling. So I have these multi-million dollar agencies that are backing these specific people in my property. So I've never had, and I'm knocking on wood right now, never had anybody squatting or nobody doing that, anybody in those particular situations. And just FYI, so everybody listening right now, my first introduction to real estate was me sitting back, sitting in the back of a yellow uh, station wagon from the 80s. And I was rolling to, with my parents sitting in the front seat arguing, we were going to a, um, a an, an attorney's office because they had people that were in the property and they couldn't get them out. So early on in my life, I was exposed to the ugly side of real estate, which people don't really talk about very much. And that started happening multiple times in my life. I would 
end up going with my parents to the courthouse. They were trying to kick people out. I grew up in a very Catholic uh, household, which was very giving to people. My family was very, if there was money issues or things like that, my parents would be very open to saying, okay, you could pay next month. You could pay next month. You could pay next month. And that happened multiple times throughout my life. And my parents who are immigrants came here and they owned seven properties. And out of those seven properties that happened in five of those on a regular basis, Liam. So for me, you know, my dad always mentioned real estate's good, but as a, in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I make this happen where I can get paid up front and I don't have to worry about any of these kinds of issues? And it kind of all kind of came to fruition when I talked to that first HR representative and she said, yeah, we'll be the leasee. We'll handle everything. They will actually be under our name. And then here's our client that we'll get, we're going to bring you. So that was just like, ah, this is it. No squatters, all good. I'm happy. So that's kind of uh, what that whole process looked like. Um, and that just gives me a lot more comfort knowing that I have an agency that is going to back me. That's a multi-million dollar agency. And they don't want, they don't want people to stay in the property like that. That is, they don't, they don't want that at all. Yeah. And they're vetted. We do vetting. We do background checks on everything. So do they, they send me their entire contracts, what they're working, who they're working for, how long that contract is, how long they're going to be, if they want to um, submit to, to stay longer at the property. So I feel completely safe with these agencies. You make a really good point there about just hospitality in general, you know, like compared to most real estate investing, uh, it's one of the real things where we do get paid up front, don't we? You know, it's, it's great for the cash flow side of things. And I sometimes forget that as, as, as a host, I sometimes forget how great it is that, you know, we're not waiting until the end of the month, you know, for, for rents to come in. We, we're in control of, like you say, up to three months up front income. So, yeah. which is, is amazing. So, Liam. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me bring this up real quick. My first booking from an agency back in 2015, that first company that I got, it was first month's rent, which was 4K, last month's rent, which was 4K, and then $2,000 deposit. So just in that booking, I got the first, last, and a deposit for 10K right up front, like day one. So that's, that's one of the a beautiful thing about you know these contracts. If you get them, they do pay like that. Not only the healthcare side, but also the insurance side, which I do as well. I mean, this, this is a great segue into the next question, which is, yeah. you know, what, what is the opportunity? How big is this opportunity right now? And um, how soon should people be capitalizing on this? Yeah. So just so you guys know, for context, the travel medical industry alone is a 12, actually it's a $13 billion industry. And we've all realized since COVID that we have a really bad healthcare system, not only nationally, I mean, here in the US, but also globally, right? which is always, I'm always curious to talk to people on the other sides, other sides of the world that do they see these similar things? And Brian Payne, who is the CEO of Furnish Finder, he's one of my friends. I recently had him on my YouTube show and he talked about like, we're expanding nationwide. We're expanding globally. They're not just a US-based company anymore. They're actually looking at expanding globally. So these issues and these things that are happening here, Liam, it's not just here. And again, going back to what I talked about earlier, $13 billion. That's how big this industry is. And nobody would ever think that. Like, you know, it's one of those kinds of things that it's, it's just like a little hidden gold mine and not many people realize it, but 13 billion is quite a bit of cash and especially in the, just, just the travel sector alone. So this is not like a, you know, post pandemic story. This, this travel industry has been here for a long time. It's been around for years and years and years, decades since the seventies, even just, again, it's just not really, really well known at, uh, in, in this space. And now it's becoming more people are realizing it, but um, it's evolving too. So it's changing and growing. There are several states in the U.S., Liam, that California, Illinois, Florida, North Carolina, and Texas, they're not going to have enough clinicians until 2030, given the National Registry of Association of Travel Medical Healthcare Clinicians. They actually stamped that and said, these are severely underserved states. 
we need clinician help like ASAP. So if you're one of those five states in the U.S., there's tremendous opportunity for you to grow and have a long roadway of a business. 2030 is what, seven, eight years away? That's a pretty good, pretty good business. You could eventually sell like we talked about or capitalize on this particular market. I mean, this is a great mention because this, this is going to be growing, you know, certainly this aspect of hospitality is going to be growing and it's not just, uh, you've mentioned obviously the U S there. So we'll, we'll have listeners who are based in the U UK, Europe, all, yeah. all over. I've, I've seen it myself at a local level here in the UK where we've had people, you know, medical professionals actually come into the UK from, from abroad and they need, yeah. you know, they need places to stay for the first three months until they get settled. And you know, I've seen that opportunity firsthand. So it is, like you say, it is a worldwide growth sector that needs supporting, doesn't it? And um, that there's particular aspects that these people are going to need, which is slightly different from, you know, your, your short-term stays. So um, what a great time to, to look into it. So it sounds as though things have gone ever so well. And what I'd love to know is, has there been any challenges along the way and, and how have you overcome them? Yeah, um, there's absolutely challenges. I think one of the biggest ones is making sure that you stay with these agencies, that you stay at top of mind. As more people start understanding this business and going after these agencies directly and not becoming a third resource and you actually connect that business to business relationship. I think that, and I've seen this happen and I've fallen victim to this too, is you'll get a booking or a contract with an agency and you'll forget about them. You're like, cool, I just got this. I got a $12,000 booking, yada, yada, yada. This is three months. They paid me up front. We, you know, we're going to, this is going to be awesome. And then I don't reach back out again until that client's leaving. And one of the most important things about dealing with this is that you got to build an actual relationship. Even when there's clients and there's not clients, you got to stay top of mind, out of sight, out of mind, right? That's a very, very similar thing. And uh, that happens all the time with anything. And I think you have to build a Rolodex. You got to stay, you know, you got to put together like a, a Wix or a MailChimp type thing. And you got to blast this information to, that, to them weekly. And you got to let them know what you're doing. I set up Liam webinars every month. I'll set up a webinar with just say like AMN Healthcare, I will send everybody in that office Starbucks or Panera or bagels and I'll have a Zoom just like I am right now. I'll have a PDF deck that I'm showing all these new updates that we have in these properties, past guest stays. And I'm actually building a relationship where they're not going to forget me because nobody else is doing anything like this. And again, this is my business background where I, I, that's what I did. I met with doctors. I'd have lunch. We would talk about certain things. I'd have pitch deck, uh, decks and templates and basically show exactly what I'm doing. And this is what you need to do to grow your business on an actual real level where it's not just a one-time thing where you continue, you continue to have a relationship for many years. There's a guy, Michael at AMN Healthcare. Back in 2015, him and I connected. I'm still, you know, like his friend now. We have our business associates. We connect through that end. But I mean, he'll tell me, Liam, hey, have you thought about Bakersfield? Bakersfield, California, we're having a hard time finding, age, finding clinicians. Hey, have you looked outside Lodi? We're having issues finding homes for pre people there. So he's actually giving me like insider information now after all these years of, of a friendship where we're helping each other in these certain ways grow. Um, and that, well, that's, that's amazing. As an investor, that's exactly what you want to have. As a business owner, that's exactly what you want to have. In any business you need to have, again, everything goes back to sales and that connection with those people. You don't want to be forgotten. You, know, you, want, you don't want to be one of those people that's like cute but forgotten, right? But you want to be there and be a part and top of mind at always and be a solutions provider for them specifically in whatever market you're in. I feel blown away from that answer because there's so much knowledge in that, but also the, there's just such good advice of, we, we, the, you, you touched on email marketing, gifting, all of that side of things. And I don't know if you've heard of the book, which is called Get Different by Mike McCallitz, I think it is. And they talk in that book about how you can, you know, it, by giving gifts, like you say, the Starbucks and that yeah. side of things, 
all of a sudden you are top of mind. They think, ah, oh, you know, Jesse, what, what a great guy. He's, he sort of does help with a coffee next time. And, and this recompense, isn't it? People want to, yeah. to repay the favor in whatever way they can. And if that is, you know, giving you a lead or, you know, being the first person they pick up the phone to, it's just so important. So yeah, uh, Liam, real quick, before you move on, I have notes here. And these notes that I have written down here is every single person that works in, in, in a specific office that I just talked to last week, I know exactly what their Starbucks order is. So oh, Michelle, oh, Andrea, Avail, Kimmy, every single person that's in that office, I know exactly what their Starbucks is and I can, what, they're, what they like to drink. So I can send these things randomly at any moment. And that's what sales is about. And that's how you build a yeah. business. You, you know those people literally down to their favorite drink. That's that how you grow a business. I love that. I was, I was sitting up to somebody in the mastermind today and they just, they just bought loads of bottles of champagne to go and give to their, their best customers. And it's just stuff like that. You know, uh, you know, that, you, that they're going to be thought of well. And, and like you say, remembering details, I mean, it's, it's just so important. Everyone remembers the first time that somebody important to them remembered a detail or, or somebody they looked up to remembered a detail. So yeah, that's really awesome. So moving mm -hmm. slightly away from uh, you know, sort of the, the midterm rentals and, and that side of things. Um, there's a couple of things I want to dive into. First of all, you mentioned rental arbitrage earlier on that you've got a few units rental arbitrage. So for the people listening, what is the benefit of the rental arbitrage versus the ones you own? Is there sort of upsides to the arbitrage? And for people in the UK, that's rent to rent or rent to service accommodation. Rental arbitrage is obviously known worldwide versus the units you own and, and why have you considered both uh, models, both <laughs> strategies? Yeah. So I was super opposed to uh, rental arbitrage for the longest time, Liam. I am somebody that likes to own property. I like things that are tangible that I feel like I own, even though the bank actually truly owns them. But <laughs> rental arbitrage for me is I got a contract at UCSF Medical Center in San Francisco and you know, to buy a property there, it's like $2 million, right? I mean, you, you can't literally buy a, a property in San Francisco, but I sure as heck can go rent a property for 3K. And the contract that I got was for seven grand, $7,500. So I rented a place for seven, for 3,500 bucks. We're getting paid seven. I furnished it and I'm cash flowing almost four, three, $3,500 per unit. And then I ended up picking some in Oakland and I actually ended up picking some in my own backyard because I didn't have enough. And this is one of the things about midterm rentals, you guys, is you're going to be occupied the entire year, almost like you're going to have no vacancy. So if you get these clients that are reaching out to you and you can't serve them, what are you going to do? Like I pass them to other folks that I know that I, that operate really well in the midterm space, just like I do. So it's one of those communities that you can actually like give to others and they give to you, which is what I really love. But secondly, it's a good way to get cash flow, And it's also a positive way to show that you can, you can show these agencies that you can grow with them quickly. And that's exactly what I did when I got the contract at UCSF medical center. As I said, hey, we're going to go pick up units for you guys. We're going to take care of this stuff right away. Give us three weeks or give us two weeks and we'll go get, we'll get units. And we just went, picked up a couple units, furnished them right away, and then scaled that way relatively quickly. So it's a good way to get involved in the space without having to spend your own money. And not only that, Liam, but a lot of folks that are landlords, especially if they're like smaller mom and pop landlords, and you go to them and you're actually truly going to be serving the healthcare industry, they're really open to that because they can go into those properties every three months. They can see how clean they are. Just like if you were to rent an Airbnb, you're going to take care of them better than any other person that would ever stay in that property. You're going to treat that property just like it's yourself because you're reviewed off of it, just like on Airbnb. And again, these clients were always taking care of any issues that happen with like, you know, uh, water that's leaking and under a sink or small things. Those are always taken care of. So that's a good selling point. It's a good pitching point. And you're helping the community with more clientele that's coming into space to serve the community, which is healthcare professionals or doctors or whatnot. So 
if you pitch that to the landlord, I've never had any problems with that. And I'm not an arbitrage king, but I've never been denied when I've talked to an agency based around that. So I, I, what I love about that, especially is the, the fact that you've found the demand before sourcing the unit, and then you knew you needed the unit fast, which arbitrage you can, like you say, you don't have to wait for things to go through, you know, sales and stuff like that. Whereas arbitrage, you can do relatively quick compared and, uh, yeah, that's just brilliant. And the fact that you already knew the numbers before you, you get the unit, I mean, and, and also, like you say, the, the amount of stock you have is, is even when you've got a lot of units, like you have the, the amount of three month contracts quickly that, I mean, that's four in each one, isn't it for, for each year. So four a year. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. So it's, it's the, the growth is quick because you need to, to grow the stock levels, which is amazing. So yeah. A couple of other questions which I wanted to dive into. I mean, we could talk, you know, so I could definitely listen to you, Jesse, all, all, yeah. all evening to be honest. But yeah, one question which I do want to, to ask is if you could go back to the start and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? I would have started sooner. <laughs> I would have been around people that were doing what I want to do more. And I didn't know anybody at that time. I had friends that were in Airbnb in the Airbnb space, which I am in the Airbnb and short-term rental market as well. But I, I wish I would have been able to have a specific um, mastermind or group or somehow connect with people that were super like-minded in that space at that time. I learned from somebody named Richard Fertig. I don't know if you know who that is. He's, a, um, he's been in the Airbnb space for many years. I, I picked up a lot of the, kind of his thoughts and his business processes and had you know meetings and things with him in the past. And so he's very intricate when it comes to market demand and things of that nature. So I wish for me starting that I was able to find a group that had like-minded individuals. And we live in an age now, Liam, where these groups are everywhere. I mean, obviously you got to vet these people and make sure that they're accurate and they're, they're, they're true, truly doing what they say they're going to do as a result somehow, but that can be life-changing. And you can also skirt a lot of the potential issues that you'll run into instead of it taking two years to really understand, you can do it in, you know, three to six months. So I wish that I was able to around, you know, be around more people that had the similar mindset earlier on. I love that. And that is just like you say, just do things faster or sooner yeah. is in a common sort of thread that we see is in, in entrepreneurs is when you found something that works, you just go, why didn't I know this, know this before? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I had so, so many more, uh, that we could, so many more subjects we could go into Jesse, but as we get towards the end of these, we love to do a couple of quick fire questions just for fun, just, uh, to, to change the, the tone and change the mood a little bit. So these answers yeah. can be short or as long as you like, but question number one, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? I am 100% introvert by nature. That's exactly what I am. Liam, in my old job, like I mentioned before, I call myself an introvert, right? I'm an extrovert. I'm an introverted extrovert. Like I have to be this like bubbly person for work, but in real life, I'm like a guy with music. You see the guitar behind me. Like I like to just chill out, listen to music, play music and uh, kind of be by myself. <laughs> Being around people and that energy, it makes me tired. <laughs> I mean, I do it, but because I have to, we have to, right? We have to do this in this world, but um, I'm definitely an introvert by nature. That's cool. That's cool. So what's your favorite trip that you've ever been on? Favorite trip I've ever been on? Uh, this is going to be super boring, but probably Maui, man. Back in the, uh, not even that long ago, Ma I, I've been to Maui. The first time I went there, I was super excited. I wasn't even old enough to, write, to, to rent a car at the time. I'm 40 now, so this is kind of dating myself, but I couldn't rent a car and we rode bikes around the entire island because it's not that big 
But just being able to kind of be present in the moment, I think is something that I've been doing for many years, even back when I was like 19 in that first trip. So for me, it was just being really present, even though I couldn't like drink alcohol, even though I did have uh, somebody buy me beer at the store. <laughs> but, um, and don't tell my mom I said that. But yeah, man, it's just being present in the moment, I think is something that's extremely difficult for a lot of people, including myself. And it's a practice that I've been doing for quite some time. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to say that trip. Love it. Love it. So um, question uh, number four is, if you were a Marvel character, what power would you have? What would your ability dude, be? Dude, it'd be Wolverine. Look at these fake chops that I got going on right here, man. <laughs> Love so, uh, it, yeah. yeah these aren't real look if i lift it up it's like nothing's there so no wolverine <laughs> I, I love that he's kind of like machine but he's also like gritty and you have to have that kind of perseverance he's got that like never quit attitude i love that so if i had to pick a wolver uh, a character in marvel it would be wolverine hey they're, they're bringing him back as well he's he's gonna be in deadpool apparently so uh, thank goodness yeah, looking forward <laughs> to that <laughs> yeah um and we always like to end on something slightly more sort of a, a pondering type question. So if there was one uh, mantra you live by, what would it be? Yeah, live present in the moment. I think that I, I just talked about this a while ago. I wake up, Liam, and I am super thankful to be alive. Like I feel like I just won the lottery. And that's something I tell my kids. And it's just something that I feel is incredibly important, especially because we live in life, right? There's always positives and negatives that happen. But if you have negative things going on in your life, you can just even say like, you know, I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful to have the internet. I'm grateful to have a telephone. I'm grateful to have shoes. Like we have so many wonderful things in life. I wasn't born a fucking shoe. Like I could have been alive, Liam, and been a shoe. Like literally, but I'm a human with emotions and a person. So that alone, dude, is just like, fuck, we live in this so cool. Like this is so amazing. Sorry, I'm getting pumped about it. And I think I even have goosebumps talking about it. If you could see that. <laughs> do, it's do just you know so what, awesome I, to be alive, man. It shows, it shows, it comes through, you know, like I, I definitely feel inspired by his story and, and yeah. ultimately, like you say, it's just, uh, there's an old, I don't know if it's a saying or, or something I've picked up along the way, but it's very difficult to be stressed and grateful at the same time. And as long as you're practicing gratitude, it's very hard to, to sweat the small stuff a lot of the time, because like you say, you, we could all be in a very different place, couldn't we? And, uh, we yeah. could dive really deep into that side of things. <laughs> I'd definitely love yeah. to, uh, to shoot that with you at some stage, but um, yeah. that's sort of everything we've got time for. But one thing which is going to be so important, everybody listening to this is going to wonder, hey, how can they follow you? How can they get in touch? And where should they go and check out your businesses? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at the real Jesse Vasquez. You can go to my website, airventurehosting.com. But yeah, I have a mentorship where I teach people exactly how I go about getting clinicians and the agencies and contracting. So that's going on. But yeah, I'm, I'm, we're getting really good results. And the best way to connect with me would be through Instagram at the real Jesse Vasquez. I think you're going to have so many people come and check you out, Jesse. And, uh, you know, so they should, you know, you've demonstrated such awesome knowledge and shared some real gems with us. Um, one thing which uh, we always like to mention as well, and I love to share a tip towards the end of these, which is Mark brought out the book direct playbook earlier on in the year as a bestseller. And not many people know that there's actually a course which accompanies it for free. If you go to the bookdirectplaybook.com. So for everyone listening, it's worth going to check out. But yeah, it's, it's all about taking control, as you said on this, uh, on this podcast, you know, from the OTAs and really building a business that you can uh, identify who your perfect guest is, where they hang out, and then go and get the stock, which is going to suit them with the amenities that will suit them. And uh, hey, Jesse, I've started following you on Instagram. I encourage everybody else to do so as well. Is there anything that we've missed or any uh, sort of closing comments before we uh, close? 
No, man. I think the only thing that I could say to everybody listening right now is if you're thinking about getting into this space, just jump in and do it. Don't put too much thought behind it. A lot of people get stuck with the analysis paralysis. We're not promised tomorrow. So get out there, educate yourself, education before compensation. You definitely want to do that. And I forgot to mention that I also have a YouTube channel where I talk about this stuff all the time. Um, and if you just type in Jesse Vasquez in the YouTube search bar, you all pop up there. So that's it for me, Liam. Thank you so much. And, and thank you to everyone who's, who's listened both on the live, on Facebook, on YouTube, on the Boostly podcast. Thank you so much. I know there's lots of places you can spend your attention. So thank you so much for, for spending it on uh, the Boostly podcast. And uh, yeah, that's bye from Jesse and that's bye from me too. Let's catch you on the next one. Bye. Thank you, everybody.